is a business breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. Craig Earlham joins me, market analyst at Oanda. Very good morning, Craig. Um, so a staggered workplace to workplace return to work. This is going to be, needless to say, extremely complex. We've got factories, we've got uh, construction sites, we've got call centres, we've got uh, you know offices. Um, Barclays have said the head of Barclays said that might be the end of the road for big offices you've said that people actually may not want to go back to work in similar conditions it'll be handled it's got to be handled very very gently indeed hasn't it may well slow the recovery down do you think Absolutely. I mean, we have to remember that all officers are going to handle this differently. There are going to be some officers that prefer to have people in the workplace who are going to be less flexible. I think most officers are probably going to try and err with as much flexibility as possible. Uh, ultimately, the when people return to the office or when people are able to return to the office, that isn't the end of the virus. It's very much still going to be there. So I think government advice is probably going to include uh, an error flexibility or a suggestion of flexibility uh, as well. And I think there's there's going to be many people who have the setups at home now who like working from home who are going to opt to work from home at least maybe one or two days a week now that may start gradually fade over the course of the next 12 months uh, once the kind of fear passes and once we get to grips and once a vaccine arrives and once a cure arrives etc etc testing uh, and we may see something that more resembles normality. But that doesn't mean that people are going to want to spend five days a week uh, in the office when they've seen what they can do at home uh, as well. And when officers have seen, uh, when companies have seen what people are capable of. I know there's been obviously a lot about productivity is going to have dropped. And of course it will have dropped. But I mean, there's a lot of other factors which are, which are contributing to that. I speak to yeah. colleagues on a daily basis. Well, they are. T- they are. I mean, I, I, I don't know what your your public transport's like but I mean I was thinking about you know from my train station into London for example I mean it's crowded at the best of times I can't see how that's going to be managed because people are not going to want to stand or sit next to each other are they presumably no uh, and that's going to be one very good reason why people to begin with will choose to work from home if they're allowed the flexibility to uh, and I think that's going to be really important so when we're talking about the economy we've got to remember that there's an entire economy which exists around the workspace I'm, I'm very curious to see for example the, the the small coffee shops the small eateries that are around the office which rely on lunchtime trade which rely on uh, which have uh, ex- expanded over the course of the last 10 years because uh, everyone now likes these kind of speciality coffees. Uh, how are they going to do? I mean, are they going to survive this period, let alone the next phase, which is going to be that gradual return to work and maybe never hitting the heights that it was at previously? There's an entire ecosystem that evolves around people going into the office, which is going to change. And then, as you already alluded to at the start of this as well, um, companies deciding whether they need big office spaces or whether they can actually reduce them uh, and work around fewer people coming into the office on a daily basis. If if you were if you were looking at the the, the so-called expert advice, and there's plenty, there's plenty of that, obviously, you would never actually want to go close to anybody ever again, because you know this is always in the background. Now, at some stage, somebody's going to have to be pretty brave and say, you know what, we're going to have to live with risk one way or the other. We have done that in the past. Unfortunately, these days, there's basically too much information around, and it's much more easy to be wary than it is to say do you know what? I'm not going to get this. 
it's it's a very difficult thing to say, isn't it? But that that is we're going to have to wait, I think, until there's some sort of change of attitude from everybody. It happened during Asian flu in the fifties in the UK. It was just you know there wasn't the information around, so people just got on with it, and that actually affected many more people, not necessarily killed more people, but affected more people at that particular time. Yeah, exactly. And we, we have to remember, I mean, we're, we're in the most frightening stage of this because we don't know enough about it because um, we are seeing seemingly very healthy people who are dying as a result of it. Uh, we are seeing quite extreme numbers around the world and everything's being reported where it's not necessarily reported um, in other uh, in other examples. So I think it is quite frightening. But we have to remember in 12 months time, the chances are we are going to have a vaccine. We are going to have uh, a cure for most people and therefore we are going to just simply view this virus very differently but obviously then it can mutate and then we may be faced with other problems along the way but we've got to remember again there's uh, and, and i saw a report yesterday which was um, which was very interesting that there is risk with everything we do we weigh up the economic risk against we weigh up the uh, economic impact against the risk that we take whenever we step on an airplane there's risk whenever we step in a car there's risk i think the report yesterday mentioned that something like forty-five thousand people a year die in car accidents in the u.s that doesn't mean that people are afraid to get into cars every day they just weigh up the risk and they say this risk isn't that great and to be honest this enables me to live my life and it enables everything to tick along and eventually we will kind of get to that same point but in order to get to that point these numbers need to come down this herd immunity needs to uh, slowly build up uh, and things like vaccines and cures are going to be a huge part of that. Once that happens in 12 months time, I, I have no doubt that people are going to um, start to kind of continue their life as they were in, in bars and restaurants on tubes, etc. Let's talk about global economies. Let's talk about the Fed. Clearly, as it said last night, as Jay Powell said last night, gearing up for the long haul back um gdp in the us down pointing towards everybody's pointing towards a global recession what did that speech mean for you last night what did you take from it uh, to be honest i didn't take too much i mean the fed has done an enormous amount uh, over the course of the last two months to stabilize these markets and to try and stop what will be a severe recession turning into a severe depression, and I think they've done a quite extraordinary job. They've expanded what they what their almost their remit is to many extents. They're now buying things like distressed assets. They're now buying ETFs. Um, they are buying these kind of fallen angel bonds, which are bonds that effectively have become junk since the coronavirus happened as a, uh, through no fault of their own per se. So they've been included, and they're extended. There's more that they could do. They kind of fine-tuning of their easing but in them in, in that time they've actually increased their balance sheet so the number of assets they own from around four trillion dollars to six and a half trillion dollars so like that they have done an awful lot that that will inflate the markets but it's also going to mean that consumers the households the businesses are going to go through a less severe uh, recession than they would have otherwise done now there is more they can do but uh, i think what the, the key message that powell uh, the, the fed chair wanted to take away from last night was We've just contracted by 4.8% in the in the US in the second quarter. The next quarter, the second quarter, it could be more like 35%. Um, I've heard many people say, but we are here to do whatever it takes uh, in order to bring to stabilize the economy this year. And I think they're doing just that. No question that the FTSE 100 is in bull market territory, as they put it uh, yesterday. Um, the FTSE 250, which is more representative of the UK economy, is also in bull market territory. Just define for us the difference between the markets themselves, why they're important, why this could be optimistic news, it might not be, and what's happening in the real economy. So the 
the difference between the markets and the real economy is the markets, especially in this day and age, they are influenced by all of this monetary stimulus around the world. I've just alluded to the fact that the Fed has a balance sheet of assets of around $6.5 trillion. This is far ahead of what we considered to be normal prior to 2008 before quantitative easing started. Trillions and trillions ahead. Uh, and all the central banks around the world are doing very similar things. The Bank of Japan now unlimited QE, ECB not far behind as well. So we do have an enormous amount of stimulus in the, in the financial system, which is inflating these assets. So in that way, you can see that there's a kind of disconnect from where the real economy is um, to a certain extent. Uh, but they're also pricing in uh, the future and where we are headed and that there's much more clarity now than there was before. There's talk of a vaccine with Gilead. Um, uh, I'm sure I'm not pronouncing this right, but the rem- remdesivir uh, drug, um, which had promising trials yesterday, really got this market uh, ra- ra- rallying quite strongly. The prospect that we could have a cure in the not too distant future, talking months rather than uh, more than more than a year. So things like this, the, the markets do seem disconnected at times, but there is a lot of different factors which are uh, contributing to that. And also we have to remember that they did fall in extraordinary amounts uh, prior to this uh, as well. So like I said, all of these are influencing many of these stock markets. So yes, they are technically back in bull market territory, but sometimes you have to take these kind of definitions with a pinch of salt. Craig Ellum, thank you very much indeed. This is the Business Breakfast with Oanda on Jazz FM. Online trading, currency data, money transfers. 